Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. I am your host, Ethan, for this week. And you were just listening to New Emotions by Infinite, as well as Lemonade by BB Girls, who you might recognize as Brave Girls under a new company and new name this time. Now, usually Asian Pop Nation is hosted by our wonderful EP, Jessie. However, unfortunately, she's feeling a little under the weather today, so I am taking over for her. Hi, nice to meet you. My name's Ethan. How are you doing? Additionally, we will also be joined by Leisha, Lee and Tracy to give their thoughts on the different topics we have this week. Talking a lot about some of the new shows that we've been watching, um, as well as some of the concerts that we're looking forward to here in Melbourne. On top of that, we'll also be talking about some of the new K-pop groups coming out with some of their crazy names, as well as a very special Red Velvet appreciation segment uh, between Leisha and I, who are massive Red Velvet fans, so definitely more on that later. And just to wrap things up, we also have a special animal segment talking about some of the reasons why animals have become so popular in the news this past week, including a certain Chinese bear that may or may not be a human, as well as a dog in Japan who is definitely human. But before we get into those segments, we've got a couple songs lined up for you, um, starting with Blue Wave by NCT Dream. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. The last three songs you just heard were Blue Wave by NCT Dream, Like Crazy by Nine Eye, as well as Sixteen by Horizon. Now here at Asian Pop Nation, we love talking about K-pop obviously, and we love talking about some of the new groups that we will be debuting shortly. Many of these groups have come from a lot of these reality um, shows, such as Queendom Puzzle or Boys Planet, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, I'm just going to pass over to the rest of the team uh, who can go through a list of some of the new groups coming up, how excited we are um, for their debut, as well as some discussions on their names. Take it away. Recently, there's been a lot, and I mean a lot, of new group announcements in the K-pop music space. However, the reason why we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of them is because a lot of them share a common theme that I think collectively all of us at APN resonate with, is that these names are... they're not good. Um... (laughs) And basically right now on the show, we just want to go through some of these new groups that are debuting. You'll hear the names and you would see what we mean. And we're starting with, I I would say, a very tame one. We're starting with the new SM boy group that just recently got announced, which they are called Rise. And it's spelled more like R-I-I-Z-E. And it's supposed to stand for Rise and Realize. Wow. I don't know what that means in the grand scheme of being a K-pop group, but yeah. (laughs) And basically this group has already had like a lot of, I guess, eyes on them because they have members that a lot of people already know because they were formerly from the NCT madness, Shotaru and Sunchan. But now they're going to be debuting in a new group, seven members apparently. They officially opened social media accounts for the group as well. So they're definitely doing like a soft launching of this group. And apparently they're going to be debuting in September. 
So yeah, again, starting out with something very, very tame. I think the one thing we've had to talk about is one of them <laughs> has a very interesting stage name. It's not his stage name, it's his actual name. Oh, really? Because he's like Korean-American. So there's this kid who everyone for the longest time was referring to as Chan Yong because his dad is a very famous producer, Yoon Sung very well-respected and very recognisable musician man. This kid has been on, you know, TV shows since he was a little kid because they want to do cute family segments with his dad, right? So everyone was like, oh yeah, Lee Chan Young, he's a cute kid. He's in the new SM group. But SM revealed that they're going to be making him go by his English name, which is Anton. It's given like film director, ballet dancer. I mean, it's not going to matter in the long run because we have an NCT member called Hendry and like I love Hendry and his name doesn't matter to me anymore. Exactly. So it's like once they debut and stuff, this is definitely going to be like out of people's heads. But just because they're so new and there's barely any content, a lot of people have been paying attention to his stage name, which goes by his real English name. And it's, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. interesting. It's I better mean, than the unique. Group name. But in this scale, I would say it's pretty tame as the one right after is gonna be a bit of a a bit yeah. of a shock one. And I'll let Tracy talk about this one because it involves some people from a certain show that she was formerly into. Yes, this one is quite a shocker. I'm just gonna start with the name. The name is Blit. B-L-I-T. Core associations include one that we can't say on radio, and the other one, I guess, is BLT, the like bacon sandwich. tomato sandwich. <laughs> but apparently, the name Blit, I cringe every time I say it, stands for boldly leaping into tomorrow. And I guess, yeah, that's their name that they've decided to go with. As Alicia alluded to, this group is going to be made up entirely of contestants who are on the show Boys Planet. And this is probably going to be a temporary group because this actually is like a collaboration between trainees from three different companies. First of all, we have Yuehua Entertainment. So they had a couple of their Korean trainees who didn't make it. They had Song On, who was a very good singer, former SM trainee actually, um, who actually made it to the finals. And we have Na Young's cousin, Ji Yunso. I think he got eliminated first round actually or second round, but that's the Yuehua trainees. And then from Wake One, we have Moon Jonghyun and Lee Jonghyun and Park Ji-hoo. They all went pretty far, actually. Um, I think Park Ji-hoo and Moon Jonghyun got eliminated earlier than Lee Jonghyun, who made it to the final. And then lastly, we have a huge surprise, actually, because so far all these members have been Korean. We have Keita, who is a Japanese member who was heavily, heavily pushed on the show, but didn't make it to the final lineup because he developed quite a hate train um, <laughs> for being short. I was really sad when he didn't make the lineup. He was really popular internationally. Unfortunately, this means that the group that he's part of, Cypher, is probably like dead in the water. But they're going to be debuting under the name... B-L-I-T, very soon. And another interesting thing about this group is that it's actually not managed by Yuehua Wake One or Kater's company. It's managed by Jellyfish Entertainment. And funnily enough, this group doesn't include any Jellyfish Entertainment trainees, even though they have several. So I don't know how they ended up managing this group, but Jellyfish Entertainment, if they do one thing right, it's like choosing songs. It's choosing like the artistic side of things. When it comes to like the business side of things, that's when they struggle a bit more, let's say. But yeah, that's the group Blit. 
there's also a couple of others I see here that are also, you would say, post-Boys Planet groups that are upcoming. And care to explain these ones? Because uh, yes. some of these kind of scare me. Okay, so the next one is another post-Boys Planet group. This is a group composed of the four Red Star Entertainment trainees who went on the show. They're all actually really talented. A couple of them made it really far. And they seem to be, like, managed, like, really well so far, like, better than any of the other contestants and the name that their company has decided to go with is t-i-o-t t-o-t i think i'm not sure but it stands for like time is our turn and um also finally from boys planet we have a group that's going to be called ampers and one when i say and it's like the ampersand so it's like ampers then the ampersand symbol and then one we haven't got actual confirmation of it yet, but FNC Entertainment recently registered this name as a trademark, and it probably means that it's going to be the new boy group's name that Camden and Troji Hall are going to debut under. And I really um, feel sorry for them having to debut under that name. Ampersand 1, what does that mean? It's like being called in hyphen 1. <laughs> what do you think like it means? Because K-pop's all about abbreviation equals what's of terrible yeah well what what do you think like what are we talking about here oh this one's easy it's just like abasand one it's like it's about us and how we're united as one because we're and we're so combined i don't know also previously fnc had registered the trademark amp amp but i think they probably realized that that name has really terrible seo because an amp is a unit of electricity or like you know guitar amps so they decided to go with Amp per Sand One because they were still so attracted to the idea of calling their boy band something with the word Amp in it. Anyway, we've talked enough about boy groups. We should talk about girl groups because it turns out that, you know, historically boy groups are known for having terrible names, but now some of these girl groups that are coming out have really, really awful names as well. Starting with the new group made up of basically former Luna members, and they're going to be called Lou Semble, like Lou Toilet Lou symbol like as in assemble wait you mean l-o-o yeah like l-o basically with this one if you know the group name luna it's basically just meaning luna and assemble so like avengers style avengers combining combining that together and then putting that together yeah because it features like five of the Mm -hmm. members that were from luna again the whole luna situation is like all the members are dispersing either solo or groups so I guess this is supposed to be like a little like assembly of these five oh. girlies. Yeah. See, the concept of the name is actually really cute, but yes. the execution was atrocious. And we saved, I think, the worst name for last. <laughs> we haven't heard your voice much in the segment. Do you want to read out how this name is spelled? The Queendom Puzzle final group name? <laughs> Tracy tells us that this is supposed to spell puzzle, but backwards. And so it's spelled... E-L-7-Z-U plus P. And using the Korean spelling, it's supposed to be pronounced l like L-Zub. Sure. What a peculiar... Imagine you're like, you spent your whole life training and then this is the name you come up with. It's It, it gives off like Grimes' son kind of vibes. Why is there a random um, plus in it? Yeah, that too. Well, good luck to the girls who are going to debut under this group. Is Does anyone know if the Queen's and Puzzle group is going to be temporary? or It has to be temporary, right? It has to be like... temporary because, like, with Queen and Puzzle, it's the members are all in, like, are in, like, groups or something that are semi- yeah, you're right. Semi-active yeah. is <laughs> putting it strongly in some yeah. of these places. <laughs> like some. Yeah. 
so yeah it is like temper but damn this name it's it's the last one we're mentioning for a reason because it is the most puzzling one <laughs> i've never seen a k-pop name that really wants to utilize like every special character like <laughs> possible on the keyboard i think the best way to summarize it is like it literally does look like like if i'm trying to type a password and it's telling me to like oh you need to change it here's our suggestion and this is like boom what it shows up um, cannot wait to see this group finalize. Yeah, but this name will give me a jump scare every time. Well, if nothing else, maybe these horrible names will we will get used to them eventually. As with all like names, um, they'll cease to look horrible because they'll mean something after the groups actually come out and debut. But imagine having to tell people that you stand a group called Blitz. Blitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let us know what you think about some of these names that we have mentioned here, all these new group names. I mean, do you find them quite out there or do you think like, oh no, that works, that's very creative. I guess just let us know all your thoughts, Creation Foundation, on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I don't know, maybe APN, we need to change our name. I don't know. <laughs> we, we need to get one with the trend. We need to put a plus in it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. A plus PN. <laughs> It's always crazy to me to discover what kind of new names that K-pop companies will give the new groups that they'll be debuting. Um, I remember a couple years ago when Promise 9 came out and everyone thought that was insane because they had an underscore in their name. Um, but yeah, look how far we've come, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You just listened to I Like This by Mamamoo Plus, Want To Be Free by Sojong, as well as Zangkyo Sangka by Amer. In our spare time, the members at Asian Pop Nation love watching a lot of TV, and we especially love watching TV shows that feature or are made by Asian creatives. Um, so, because we haven't done this in a little while, we wanted to do a little bit of a recap on some of the shows that we've been watching, just to give you guys a bit of a rundown on shows to look out for. So, without further ado, let's take it away. So we at APN have had some TV shows and dramas that we've really enjoyed recently and we just wanted to share them with you guys. So I know Leisha wants to talk about the great Australian Bake Off, so take it away! Oh my gosh, thanks Lee for the command. This feels like more of an expose of who I am as a person because we predominantly talk about what? K-pop, A-dramas, anime all around that scope but here i am like mm -hmm. you know what's one thing i love the great australian bake off yeah yeah basically it's currently airing and i actually without knowing like that i was doing this subconsciously i have been keeping up with it weekly i'm up to date with what's happening in there and i love every second of it Basically, the Australian Bake Off, it's a very, very nice show to watch, like, as a background thing. Everything is so peaceful. Everyone is so calm. The most chaos is during the baking. That is, like, the most stressful part if people can't get the flavors right, or the cake is burnt, or, like, they accidentally dropped it. Like, that is peak drama there. Everything else is very, like, nice, wholesome when they're critiquing food as well it's just nice to hear I love Rachel Koo she is like my like I have Michelle Yeoh as like my film mother Rachel Koo is like my mother in the cooking world and I can say that because like her dad is Malaysian so boom oh. 
Fatu Malaysia. Um, Malaysia. but I want to mention specifically the most recent episode I just watched, which I think just aired this week as well. Yeah, I'm that up to date. Basically, the Bake Off kind of works in like a theme basis. So every week is a different baking theme. This week was International Week. And I have notoriously watched other Bake Offs, especially the UK one, that whenever they have anything to do with like international food, um, it's teetering on racism sometimes. But this time, it's different because not only do you have actual women of color a Rachel Koo being the judge. You also have a fellow fellow comedian that a lot of us love a lot, Natalie Tran, as uh, oh my god, as <laughs> one of the as one of like I guess the presenters and stuff for the Bake Off series. And for this week, they did like a international thing. So every cooking challenge was based off like a different region, and one of it they had to make Queen Lapis, which was like <gasps> the biggest shock to me. Oh my I was, god! I was just chilling watching it and out of nowhere, Rachel Koo's like, you guys are gonna have to cook Quay Lapis. And I was like, let's go. Stop the press right now. Basically, if you don't know, it's like a very iconic like dessert in Malaysia. And it's one of those where it's like you peeling it by layer by layer. I love it so much. And it's usually very colorful and uh, it's like a childhood classic. And I love the episode too because Rachel literally talks about like how it's a childhood love of hers. And then at the very end, Natalie Tran literally talks about how like it's so special to see food that she loves growing up being represented on like an Australian TV scale. And I was like, wow, she's so real for that. And then the girl who ended up winning that challenge was Singaporean as well. And she also grew up eating queer lapis and she cried Aww. when she won because she was like oh my god this means so much to me like it's a food that i've always grown up in and i was like wow this episode was for me <laughs> like whoa and yeah i just wanted to bring it up because i've been loving this show so much i love the new judges i love the new presenters this season's going great so far i'm having the time of my life but lee i heard you were also having the time of your life with a Certain other show, I think it's a K-drama. Yes, so I recently binge-watched a Korean drama called Bloodhounds. I think it's pretty new, but it's on Netflix. It's pretty much about these two young, like, aspiring boxers that become besties. And these two characters are played by Wu Do-hwan and Lee Sang-hee. I don't think I've watched any of their, like, any dramas that they've been in before, but yeah. But the story isn't about boxing. But because it has boxing in it, they're always like topless. Anyways, cool. So the story is about when COVID-19 pandemic was like a big thing and how it pretty much affected people and especially like small business owners. And because of their financial situations, a lot of loan sharks took this opportunity to exploit those who were struggling. Dohan's character's mom has to borrow money to keep their shop alive, but then one day she accidentally signs into like a really unfair contract by a loan shark. She was like expected to pay like the next day and then she obviously didn't have the money, so they came to like destroy her shop. Anyways, the two boxes team up with like other people as well to take down the villain. But yeah, I really like this drama because of their nice muscles. <laughs> only reason <laughs> but also because of them like shedding light on like how business owners like were struggling because of covid because it also reminded me of my parents law but also the bromance between the two main characters is so like 
wholesome and good the chemistry is amazing as well and it's like bromance in a way that's like not queer baby and then i watched like some interviews that they did and their friendship is like literally the same on the screen and like in interviews as well i really like that it literally made me like kick my feet when they like when they do bromancy stuff is it currently airing at the moment? It's finished airing. Oh, okay. Yeah. How many episodes are there? Only eight. Oh, and it's oh really, wow. Really, really quick watch. And I think it has like pretty good ratings as well. But yeah, that's the K-drama that I've been binging. And I think everyone should give it a watch. It's very good. But yeah, Ethan, I think you also had a drama that you were watching. As you were talking about dramas that recently ended that also seemed really good, there is a drama that I've been really eager to watch. I haven't actually like watched a lot of it. Like I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's called Revenant, but the Korean name is Aki, uh, which literally means like devil or evil spirit. And it stars Kim Tae-ri, who is a great actress. She was in The Handmaiden and she was also in 25, 21. So she's obviously a really popular actress now. She's doing a lot of really big projects. When I was over in Korea for like those two, three weeks, they promoted the heck out of that movie. It was everywhere. There were billboards. I saw Kim Terry's face everywhere. But yeah, so what the show is actually about, it's basically a bit of a spooky horror uh, drama where this girl played by Kim Terry gets possessed by a demon. And then you've got a whole cast of characters, like a police officer or like, I think it was a professor, kind of try to investigate this crime and all these like surrounding crimes. They basically try and solve these crimes together and work together to figure out all these like paranormal entities and what this is all about. It's quite creepy. It's quite eerie. I am aware that it is streaming on Disney Plus for international audiences outside of Korea. But what I do think is really cool is that this show is written by Kim Kim Eun-hee, who is one of the best people working in K-dramas at the moment. She most notably did Kingdom and Ashen of the North. So I think she was a big reason of why that was successful. But I also think that one drama that she's done that is a bit overlooked is Signal, which is a really cool K-drama. It came out in 2016. Yes, it's just such a great time travel movie. And the way that Kim Eun-hee writes these thrillers to be like really engaging each episode really flows well into the next one it doesn't feel episodic obviously i haven't personally seen much of revenant but i have heard a lot of good things about it and i'm quite keen to watch it i think it's great that there's a lot of variety in what we talk with like it's kind of funny to me because it's like start off with bake off which is just yeah which is just baking wholesomeness and then lee's like action bromance and then we got ethan with a thriller horror. A horror and it's like wow so i guess we really got like a bunch a of whole, shows for yeah. all audiences mm. and also shows how different all of our tastes are but yeah so these are the tv shows and dramas that we've been watching let us know if you've been watching any korean dramas or want to recommend them to us via our facebook instagram and twitter at asian pop nation sin it still amazes me sometimes to find that Natalie Tran, the YouTuber behind Community Channel, is now on Australian TVs. I just think that is so awesome and I'm so glad to see that she's back entertaining again because I feel like we haven't seen her in a few years and it is just nice to see a familiar face um, making its way through Australian entertainment. Hey, hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. The last three songs you just listened to were Hong Ryeon by An Yeun. Home is a feeling by Jasmine Sokol, as well as Fluid by Nectar, which is described as an alt R&B song. 
Now, speaking of R&B, some of the members here at Asian Pop Nation really, really love Red Velvet, which is a very prominent third-generation K-pop group um, that specializes in a lot of R&B. Now, I myself am a massive, massive fan, and so is Leisha. And joining us as well is Tracy, who is a bit more of a casual fan, but definitely, definitely understands and appreciates the discography of Red Velvet. Recently, Red Velvet came out with some pretty big news that gave us a good excuse to talk about them on this show. I'm just going to pass over to Tracy, who will explain a little bit about uh, Red Velvet. Red Velvet is a South Korean girl group formed and managed by SM Entertainment. They originally debuted on August the 1st, 2014 with the single Happiness with the four-member lineup of Irene, Sogi, Wendy and Joy. A fifth member, Yeri, joined in March 2015. Now you may be wondering, why is Tracy reading out the Wikipedia entry for Red Velvet? Well, I just wanted to give you context, um, especially for people who aren't really acquainted with Red Velvet as a group. And they've amassed quite a few fans in the years intervening, including both Leisha and Ethan, who I would describe as quite hardcore fans of Red Velvet. Like, um, I think they have very intense feelings about Red Velvet. Myself, I'm more of like a casual fan. I listen to their music, but I don't keep up with them day to day. However, Leisha and, Leisha and Ethan very much keep up to them day to day. Um, including their live streams. And recently, some very big news has been announced on a live stream for their recent ninth year, I believe, anniversary. So without further ado, I'll let Leisha tell you more about it. Oh my gosh, thank you for passing the baton to the number one Red Velvet fan of APN. Yeah, Ethan, you're dethroned because I, I have many feelings about these girls. And like Tracy said, they recently did a live stream for their ninth year anniversary together. I cannot believe it's been nine years. First of August, that's the date. And in that live, oh, it was just such a good vibe. If like you're a fan, big fan of them, it was just such a amazing, cozy little stream. But they also did make a very big announcement that after many, many years of waiting, five years to be exact, they're finally working on a third full-length album. Oh my god. After the Velvet album, which is the the last album I assume Lisha is talking about, they have had a lot of mini albums since then. Um, they also did do the Reverfest project, which they packaged together into like a pseudo album. Like yeah, like album. like yeah, I think the way they like, categorize yeah. it online is like a compilation album, the mm. Rev Festival finale. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, this if you know if this comes out, obviously it'll be like the proper like full album project um which i think is really cool and yeah because we did our apn meeting on the tuesday when they actually did their live stream as well so both leisha and i had the live stream going on in the background and just kind of watching it while everyone talks about what the segments we were the we, we take the work very seriously here in apn obviously. yeah we're sourcing sourcing research guys obviously. exactly exactly um, if people don't know red velvet was part of like the third gen uh generation of like k-pop groups um especially from the big three so they were in competition with twice and blackpink who are obviously massive groups um and so i think when people think of k-pop they usually think of twice or blackpink and red velvet is kind of like you know the the one that people don't really talk about as much which is a shame because personally i think we all Leisha and I would agree that we have much stronger feelings for Red Velvet. I, I feel like it is, they are such a good group. Like musically, they have such a unique sound to them. And SM has really not 
um, been afraid to experiment with their music styles. Like when they first started out, they were leaning into that um, that duality, the the genre duality of like, wow, they can do like the the smooth R and B, sultry like R and like for the Velvets um, concepts. But then they also had the bright poppy, uh, you know, like red. Uh, genres as well hence red velvet um i think since then a lot of groups also do that like oh we can do both concepts so it it might not seem as special now but like when they came out um in 2014 i i feel like that was really innovative and they definitely leaned into that more they debuted it with happiness which is like if you ever listen to it it is very like whoa as the title probably suggests a lot of joy a lot of whoa um poppy happiness and then they also paired it up like a couple months later with Be Natural, which is a cover of the SES song. And that immediately, like every, I think Happiness had like a bit of a mixed reaction, but once they also came with Be Natural and then did promos for that, everyone was like, whoa, now what's going on here? And then this is where people were like, okay, these girls are very committed to the whole, like like Ethan said, the red, red side and the velvet side indicating like, again, their duality and things like that. And that was what really gravitated me towards them at that time um I was always very curious Ethan how did you get like how did you even know about Red Velvet when I was in that era I was more into like a lot more second gen because I think that was when second gen was slowly phasing out and third gen was coming okay. in, so obviously like when you had like twice and stuff mm-hmm. um I think what really sold Red Velvet for me was Red Flavor and Power Up I felt like they were such fun um such fun songs and I feel like those two songs specifically have a lot of like sentimental value for me because I just feel like they were like the next phase of my life like they were so much fun um yeah what about you Lee Shaw? My favorite groove at the time was FX and basically this was like during the time where like things were happening um and then, and then Red Velvet was starting to debut and then there was a lot of like you would say fandom migration between like FX fans and Revel fans and also a lot of war happening between the two. And I like, I, I guess I was just like in between that, but then I got really, really into them when I heard Be Natural for the first time. I was like 14, 15 and I had like an attachment to like, oh my God, idol, same age, same year as me. Yeri is like me for real so I was like I just had like an even more attachment to that group because it was at the time okay still pretty rare to have like 1999 people in the space and I was like yeah until this day I would say generally in the whole of k-pop they would be like my number one like group in general Going back to something you said, Leisha, you alluded to the fact that Red Velvet actually debuted during a time of crisis, you would say, at SM. Yeah. 2014 was just a really terrible year at SM. Yeah. Um, I think that was the year, like, the Chinese members of EXO left. EXO, oh, oh. obviously FX going through their own troubles as well. Yeah. I think I did watch a, a video essay on that as well. A video um, essay? Video essay. No, wow. no, there was a video essay someone did where they were talking about Red Velvet's, like, um, formation and how a lot of the time... I, I could be paraphrasing because I've watched this a while ago, but it, I, I think it was something to the effect of, like, because SM goes through so much stuff, um, like, they, they almost seem like they use Red Velvet and Red Velvet, like, news or comebacks as, like, a distraction from, like, other SM fires. 
like obviously they've done really experimental stuff like anyone who has listened to like Zimzala Bim or like Birthday um or yeah like they will know that like SM is not afraid to give Red Velvet like really experimental tracks yeah. but I feel like it works in their favor because they do come up with some amazing stuff like Feel My Rhythm or like RBV which is I personally think it's a really good song um <laughs> that's a very you. controversial yeah. opinion RBV. too bad too bad they're wrong too bad another great yeah. thing about them having such strange songs is that a lot some of them almost um verge on like ritualistic and a lot, some of their music videos often they have this through line of them like killing men so that really adds to that theory that they're sort of like cosmically connected to all the bad luck happening in the k-pop industry which i quite enjoy as a vibe it's a good interesting vibe to have as a group i think it's very cool for me, okay, I do agree that the experimental aspect is a big part of what like really intrigues me. But for me, I just really, really like the their vocals sound, their harmonies together. I just think their voices, all five of them, just work so perfectly perfectly together. And I think that's just a trend of like um why I really like certain groups like I really like EXO because I really like how they all sound when they're singing together and Red Velvet is in that case as well where I just really love how they sound together like if you want to like I don't know like I would recommend watching some of their more recent uploads that SM has done of like them during recordings for Feel My Rhythm or like Queendom and stuff because I feel like watching those videos gives me the most like it just makes me so like wow <laughs> I'm going through like 20 billion emotions because it's just you really get to see their like how their vocal range of each member is insane and every voice just wow is <gasps> yeah I feel like if you really want a good like sample of how great their harmonies are or how great their like vocal ranges complement each other I feel like uh their rendition of Boa's Milky Way as oh, well as yes as well as what was the other one it was like uh would you would yes, you really yes well. they have videos on youtube where they're just sitting in a room like in a line and they sing together and the harmonies are like breathtaking yes so especially cute. milky like the boa one like it just starts like the first second yeah. in starts with them harmonizing yeah. with each other and it's it's beautiful love it such oh that's such a good recommendation oh my god ah but yeah, I guess at the end of the day, this is just me and Ethan's little appreciation. Oh, Tracy, of course, also as a casual stand, is just our APN appreciation corner for Red Velvet in time for their ninth anniversary in August. And yeah, we just can't wait for the comeback and everything. But dear listeners, let us know if you yourself are, I guess, a big Red Velvet stand. Please rise up. We need more in this world. It is. <laughs> It is a tr- terrible world out there. I need more Red Velvet fans. Um, let us know all your thoughts and everything through all social media, Asia Foundation, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It has been quite a while since their last comeback and definitely a lot longer since their last full album. So we at APN are very, very excited to hear Red Velvet's new album when they come out. I hope that segment also inspired you all to join the cult of Red Velvet. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. You just listened to Chemistry by Bibiana, The Flash by Quan and B, as well as Kill Shot by Itzy, which is a phenomenal track. Um, it looks amazing on stage when they're performing, and I really do hope that Itzy might do a world tour 
um, sometime soon, preferably in Melbourne, because I'd love to see them in a concert. Speaking of concerts, Melbourne is having a huge revival in the concert scene. Just last week, Rimi had their concert here in Melbourne, and one of our members, Lee, um, actually went there, so they're going to be telling us all about their experience at the Rini concert. And just to wrap up, we also have a bit of a discussion on some of the upcoming concerts in Melbourne from some of the Asian artists that we're very excited to hear from. I'm sure you, dear listener, if you've been keeping up in like the music space in Melbourne at all, you would know that it is a concert frenzy over here. You can agree, Lee? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's been insane. I swear it's been like every single week there has been like a new artist coming and announcing that, oh my god, we're coming down to Melbourne. And it's like, oh my god. So it's been a crazy time this entire year. And we definitely want to talk about A, some of the upcoming concerts that are going to be happening in Melbourne. But we also want to talk about a concert that has already occurred and just kind of talk through it with our resident concert correspondent. But basically, we have Lee here, who has recently went to a concert that occurred this month, actually, by a certain artist. Yeah. At the time of recording, I actually went last night. So, Rini, he is actually from Melbourne originally. He's Mm -hmm. a Filipino-Australian R&B soul artist. And, yeah, I've been listening to him since high school. Oh, my God. I think he was mainly like he had moved to America to do his music stuff and then he got big in America and then came back to Melbourne. Yeah, so they, there were two openers for him. One was Shredder and the other was called Zuhair. Then they were both Australian R&B soul artists and they were also both people of color. Yeah, they were both like really good as well. Like they their songs were legit. But should I I like... love your descriptions. I love <laughs> your descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have like numbers on Spotify as well. But should I like I liked her energy as well cuz she would do like crowd work and be like, "Oh, I'll say this and then you guys say that." And then oh, I think cute. the crowd itself nothing like Keshi's crowd, honestly. Ooh like so loud and like interactive with the artists like just a lot of like calling out and be like i love you rini or like let's go shut up or whatever but yeah and then zuhair was he had a wife as like he was married and he was like yes i'm i dedicate a lot of my songs to my wife and everyone was like oh my god but rini himself very good like hearing his concert live like with a live concert with like drums and all that it scratches my brain right <laughs> also so doors open at 7 30 and i got there at six very good move from me because i was at the very very front like like two like and also the girl in front of me was like shorter than me which is crazy bless her for standing there but yeah so i had like a perfect view of the stage and him and the ve- venue was at Max Watts, which I had never been to before until the show. From the images, it looked really small, but it's actually really big inside because they, oh. they have an upstairs as well. Oh, okay. But yeah. I didn't go there because it was way too far. And like the whole thing was packed. There's like stairs that mm. go upstairs and people are standing on the stairs as well. Oh, yeah. Because mm. I have seen like on Rini's socials after the concert happened, he was like posting photos, I'm guessing like, from his team who are like all the way in the back and it is like packed yeah. concert and it's good to see considering he's performing at like back yeah. at home essentially so I'm sure it's like very special for him as well I mean he literally 
I sent it to you, Lee. Like he literally posted the whole thing. Like Melbourne, you were the crowd. The crowd, yeah. He's talking about you, Lee. Yes, sir. <laughs> so yesterday was their second show, yep. but before that they had another show. But our show actually was released first and got sold out first, and then they only released the second show like a few days before the show. So he was like, "You guys are the OGs. Like you guys sold out my show first nice though what would you say were some of your like favorite songs hearing live specifically good question because oh, thanks man i couldn't <laughs> choose but i think from his latest album two of the songs were um strawberry blossom so he was like i'm gonna say sim sima and then you guys say and then before he even said it like we all like just sang it back to him already so he was like he acted like so shocked like as if we didn't know the words to his song but we we're like yes we know and also pressure as well those two were really good from his latest album and then also like another song i think it was ultraviolet because it had like guitar and all that very good i like it like live it's like so different from i definitely like listen to the song more now after the concert and then like obviously from his like old albums um meet me in amsterdam and also my favorite clothes so those two are like quite popular yeah from, yeah i think yeah. those two are like his most popular like yeah and when i say most popular we're talking 50 million streams plus crazy mm -hmm. but deserved deserved yes but yeah no it just sounds like you had such a such a great concert time and that's just oh such a slave <laughs> it was amazing it was so good yeah that was my concert experience while we can't promote like to go to Rini's concert now because these shows are over now in Melbourne there are still a ton of other concerts that are happening in Melbourne that you know some of these artists may be up your alley in like the genres and stuff some of these concerts we're going to be talking about specifically or just giving a shout out to will be firstly a concert that I know Tracy is going to yes um concert i'm going to is going to be happen on the 20th of september at the worst venue in melbourne which is festival hall um but anyway this is p1 harmony the boy group the k-pop boy group they're actually like pretty big which is why they're selling out a venue like festival hall this isn't the first time they've been to australia because they were actually at the Pop fest that leisha attended um, as a representative of apn last year in sydney um, so it's really cool that they were like, that's that we're actually okay. Let's come down to Australia again um, to Melbourne this time. So that's happening on the 20th of September. Next, I'm going to pass it to Lee to talk about another concert that's happening pretty soon after that one. Same venue. Three days later, on the 23rd of September, we have Nikki performing as well. Oh, I don't think any of us are going, sadly, because we couldn't get tickets. Yeah. But yeah that's crazy that she sold out because like even p1 harmony haven't sold out the whole yeah. festival all yet and they have a pretty strong fan base and i mean nikki is like household name i feel if you're very into like asian american artists yeah, definitely, like definitely. yeah or like you keep on in the 88 rising space she is like boom the name is there icon love her to bits so cannot believe she's coming down here oh and then in the other side of the world, we also have one of the bigger surprises for me personally, which is Radwimps, mm. the Japanese band that probably most notably known to do soundtracks for Suzume. And then uh, what's the other one? Your name Anime people. Well. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you, Leave. <laughs> Damn it. They, they're also going to be coming down to Melbourne, the Forum specifically, a Tracy-approved venue. And they're coming in like October 12th and the 13th. And then lastly, which I said the Rabbits one was a surprise to me, but I think this one is probably just generally the biggest surprise for people who keep up in like K-drama spaces. Or like third gen old produce series, produce season one. Yeah, literally. Because we have Sejong. Oh my god. Yeah. She's coming down. Yeah, Google Dong, now actress, business proposal, and soloist as well. She is surprisingly going on a tour, her first ever tour, and one of these spots is Melbourne on the 17th of November, which is wow. This is insane because Sejong is someone who's like incredibly, like, I don't think she's internationally focused at all. Like, she doesn't come to mind as someone who's her company has especially made an effort to cater. Um, to international fans yeah. so the fact that she's coming down as opposed to like many other groups who where the company is obviously really trying really hard to get international fans is really like it's crazy that she's crazy that she's coming to Melbourne like most groups don't come to Melbourne but Sejong is coming to Melbourne I mean I'm not complaining because Sejong has a lovely voice and I'm sure that fans of her will be very surprised and very thankful that she's coming fans such as Ethan yeah, we're going to get VIP tickets, maybe. Um, front row. Front row. <laughs> I, uh, I was planning to go to Rad Rooms with my friends, but the tickets sold out so fast, and I realized I don't know enough about the discography to fight my way through whatever ticketing company that is. But um, if Sejong comes out and I can go, I'm absolutely planning to go because Sejong is so, so, so good of a uh, singer and like just like as a person as well she's easily one of my favorite idols even post Iowa and Kukudan I think she did a, a musical as well so she's really she's yes. really like leaned into like uh, Kim Sejong being like a household name so it, it is just that shocking that she is coming to Australia of all places but that's the list of concerts we have um coming up for Melbourne like Wow, I'm so glad COVID is basically over and that people can finally come to Australia. It's crazy that people are coming to Australia. We say that every time, but it really is. Um... It genuinely is very shocking. <laughs> and every week when there's a new person announcing that they're coming, it's just the shock factor is always there. So who knows? We talk about it now here at APN, but then like two weeks later, we might have a whole new list. So I don't know. Just keep your ears Field, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess if we missed like any picks, let us know on Asian Pop Nation, all of our socials. Yeah, we really are looking forward to all yeah. these concerts. I hope you're as excited to attend some of these concerts um, as we are at Asian Pop Nation. And definitely let us know your thoughts on what you are most excited to see coming up. This is Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. And the last three songs that you just listened to were the Scuffing Song by Kahu Nakamura. Natsuno Yumeha, also known as Summer Dreams by Teikoku Kisa, as well as Rude Awakening by Girl Gang. This week has been a crazy week for news headlines in particular. If anyone here has a WhatsApp group with a family, for instance, they might have been getting this article um, about a certain bear in China that is so human-like that people are actually thinking that the bear is human. And just on the other side of that, we also have a return by our favorite Japanese man dog, i.e. the man who spent way too much money for a lifelike dog costume in Japan. Like I said, it's been a crazy week for news headlines today, especially for animals. So definitely have a listen and let us know your thoughts, Asian Pop Nation. 
So far today, we've talked a lot about media. We've talked about music and concerts and TV shows. And what we've really been missing on the show so far is a wacky news story, a classic APN wacky news story. Now, this story is uh, something that's been blowing up our family WhatsApp chats recently. Um, everyone's just talking about it because it really needs to be seen to be believed. And I, I realize that maybe it's perhaps not the best thing to talk about like on an audio only format, but please just look up like if you're near a computer and you'll see what we mean. But basically a zoo in China has been forced to issue a statement saying that the Malaysian sun bear is a real animal and not a person wearing a bear costume. Um, they point out the fact that in China right now it's 40 degrees and a person in bear costume would not last more than a few minutes in that heat but you know looking at pictures of a bear you do understand why people are raising questions about this bear being not an actual bear um, for one it has a habit of standing on its hind legs and its hind legs are like eerily like slender much like a, a skinny little man's legs would be and it has a habit of walking around and waving in a genteel manner, much like a, the Queen of England would to visitors. Actually, it looks like like a politician. This photo that I'm looking at right now looks like a politician um, waving hello to like news reporters or delegates as they get off a plane. That's the vibes it's giving off, you know, its shoulders are back, the hands at its side, and it's got its other paw up. Why, why did I say hands? This is how much, how human this bear is. You're, you're being influenced, Tracy. I am no. being influenced. <laughs> it's too late. She thinks it's human inside. I'm just like already like sketching out the contours of like how a human would fit into this bear costume. The proportions are exactly right for a human. The Malaysian sun bear is slightly smaller than an average bear, so that's why it also seems more human. I don't know. Another thing is that the, the fur on its back when it stands up is kind of bunched up, so it looks like an ill-fitting costume as well. And that just adds to the sort of weird, this sort of, huh, this doesn't seem like a real animal. You can see why that theory took off in, um, I guess, family WhatsApp chats. My friend reminded me of this movie um, in Korea. It's a it's a comedy film from South Korea in like 2020 called Secret Zoo. Um, it's basically about this zoo that is struggling because it's like failing. And so this like guy comes in and he's like, let's get the zookeepers to dress as animals to like pretend Aww. like they're the, the animals. And I find that like so fitting to this. The, 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 the poster of Secret Zoo is just like these like five people staring heroically into the distance but they've got like these animal costumes on <laughs> it's really oh funny my god <laughs> see like i personally don't think it's 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 a man in a costume i feel like they would be very audacious to do that to put a man in a costume and not only that i feel like if this was a man in a costume he's doing a pretty bad job of selling it as being a bear because like i don't think like if you were dressed as a man like if you were dressed as a bear i don't think you would stand up and wave like I feel like that is like pushing the boundaries of what you can what you can do. Um, <laughs> this is such a strange, strange news story, but everyone has been talking about that. Which Literally, is it's about invading this. like my my eyes and everything. I don't want to see this bear waving at me <laughs> anymore. It's too much. Um, speaking of humans in animal costumes. Um, remember maybe last year we we had a segment where we talked about a man who just really, really, really wanted to be a cuddly little dog. And so 
paid millions of dollars probably to get an extremely detailed and realistic fursuit. Yes. Well, a new video has surfaced of this man where he goes out for a walk. He gets taken out for a walk by um, a blonde lady in a park with other dogs. It's extremely strange, this video. Basically, from my understanding and how, um, and I'm going to dox this person right here, how Lee has framed it because she has been talking about this Whoa. damn video. I'm putting you on the spotlight. You Whoa. have been pointing out about this video. Every person is talking about the bear and Lee's like, no, no, I'm different. I'm looking <laughs> at this dog situation. Um, This is supposed to be like a very big debut moment. Like the last time we talked about this guy was doing this in the comfort of his own home. But now this is like outside moment. Um, debut. Yeah. And in the video, it's very um cool. Cool. That's how you would summarize it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in the video, he's like doing tricks and stuff, and the girl is like shake, and then he's putting his paw on her, and then it's like at a park as well. So there's other people with their real dogs walking by, and their dogs are like so scared of him. There's like a video, like a camera. And he's like on the floor and he's waving like, hello. <laughs> like the sun Yeah, it's funny that both of the animal stories this week feature like animals waving, waving. at humans. You can just tell he's so human-like when he waves at the animals with his misangled paw. <laughs> That's the same <laughs> angle as a human palm and the arm. So. Like from afar, it looks legit. And unlike the Sunday one, people are like, that could be a real dog, <laughs> not a man in a costume. <laughs> But then when you come closer, it's like waving at you. He's <laughs> waving, he's smiling. It's also all the parts that should be moving are not moving. Like the tail is not moving. He's probably not audibly doing anything as well. I Because if it's like, I don't know, like he's a human. Just going wolf. Yeah, but human just going wolf, wolf, bark, bark. Like what? <laughs> so probably just saying, saying very quiet as well while doing these very human-like waves at a bunch of dogs actual dogs that are scared for their life yeah this video is actually very insane and i'm i'm scared what if he does a world tour debut now world tour next and then he comes down to melbourne i don't know i can't handle this um on that note i hope you've enjoyed the show this week Had some really insightful stories about a man who he wants to be a dog and a bear that is not a man um Amongst, you know, other news stories. Cool. Um, if you have any thoughts, any thoughts at all about the bear, which is not a man, and the dog, which is not a dog, please hit us up, I guess, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Asian If any of our listeners have actually seen the video of the bear in China, definitely, definitely let us know what you think about the bear because we are so curious if we think that that is an actual bear that just looks like a human or if it's actually a human dressed as a bear in a zoo, because that is insane to me um, in the world that we live in. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin, and the last three songs that you just listened to were Peanut Butter and Tears by DPR Ian, As I Am by Ju Yong, as well as Encore by Silky Silky. Now, this is the end of Asian Pop Nation for this week. For this week, we've had some incredible discussions, everything from crazy K-pop names to some of the new TV shows or concerts that we're looking forward to, why we love, love Red Velvet so much and we are excited for the new comeback, as well as some 
crazy headlines around animals around the world, including the bear in China that looks like a human, as well as the dog in Japan who is a human. And joined with me for this show was Leisha, Lee, and Tracy. I have been your host Ethan for this week, and by the time next week rolls around, our standard EP Jessie will be back. So hopefully you're excited to hear her voice again. Thank you.